What's up, guys? Welcome to the sesh. Today, I have a special guest. Please introduce yourself. Hi, good morning. I'm Dr. Annabelle Palomo with RGV College. So I remember you from many years ago when you used to have the old RGV College building. And we, we yeah, I remember that, the yeah. whole transition. And then you, you got this whole new place, and it's magnificent. I have followed your journey from the very beginning. Well, I guess not from the very beginning, from when I saw it. Uh -huh. And I'm assuming that there's so much work that has gone into it. And I'm huge into entrepreneurship. So I want to dive into your life. Okay. So I, I have a bunch of questions. And the cool thing about it was uh, I sat on my couch for three years listening to Les Brown his speeches, just on motivation. Oh. And I sat there and I was just listening to it and listening to it and, I, and year three came and I was like, I actually need to do something. So motivation simply is not enough. So how did you do it? Because I'm super interested in how you built something so big and so successful. And this industry that you're in is like, it's, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So kind of tell me about your journey. A little bit of on that, I think you touch based on motivation, right? Motivation without doing something, it's not going to happen. Uh, I think it's when you envision something in your life, a lot of times we say, like, how did they do it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there's so much behind the scenes that has happened, and that's been the hard work, the giving up, the scared, am I doing this? So I'm giving up a, a six-figure job to embarking this. So it's, it's a lot of trusting your gut and going after it. Now, entrepreneurship, I'm an educator. You know, I became a teacher. I thought, you know, that's going to be my superintendent's, my goal. I was part of a cohort of superintendents for my doctorate. And uh, for whatever reason, the Lord took me in a different, whole different path. When you start with RGB careers, because we were a career school before college, before actually embarking and getting associates programs in our institution, that's when you transition to a college. And fully accredited, fully everything with the Department of Ed, all those were obstacles that we had to go through. You're talking about years. Okay, you're not going to reach financial aid till three years of consistent enrollment in your programs when you only have two students sitting in a classroom. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, I'll pay the third one. You just come in, I'll pay you to sit in there. And you have to be so consistent and be on it to make sure that you don't have that break. So going back to people don't realize the behind the scenes, the things like how am I going to pay my mortgage if now I have to become a consultant because in a business, you're the last one to get paid because mm -hmm. you're having to pay bills, you're having to pay your three employees, that two, two instructors. So it's a lot of believing in yourself, motivating yourself. You mentioned Les Brown. You know, I'm a, my background, my doctorate's in educational leadership. So I've gone through the John Maxwell, and I was fortunate enough to go under the Les Brown training. And I remember Ona Brown came down, so did Les, just to even look at the building because of my story. But I remember him speaking on that. You know, you've got to be your biggest motivator because he went through so much hardship. And look at where he got, right? Yeah. And his story inspired me. So back to your question, uh, you sat in your couch just thinking, right? Well, can I do that? Can I? Well, and I felt great listening to his stuff. Yeah. It's, it's super motivating. But then you figure out, like, motivation runs out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah without work, it's not going to happen. So why know? is it that most people won't stay consistent? You, I think we had a conversation before this. It's hard. Yeah. It, it's long term. You have to foresee 
I will eventually get there. To tell you the truth, if you were to tell me 15 years ago, because we're celebrating 15 years, wow. when I, there was five CNA students and the VN program was dormant. It wasn't what they told me it was when we purchased the school and I had to pick it up, work with a consultant, that we'd be where we at right now, I'd really be like, whoa, like, <laughs> no. And I told my students, pinch yourself, you're part of my vision, that we have associates programs ranked number two in the state wow. for the RM program. We educate the most vocational nurses in our area than anybody wow. with the highest scores. We put in a hundred, we educate 188 last year. And you don't realize 15 years ago, you know what? There's gonna be a pandemic. You're embarking in a field that there's gonna be so much need in the community. Uh, I'm a firm believer, like I, I'm in my passion. Education's my passion. So I often tell students, when you receive your certificate, I feel I'm graduating with you. Mm -hmm. And I've been to every graduation in the last 15 years because I think it's special, but it's just such a great feeling, right? And that I am able to do that in our community and the older you get, the more you want to give back, right? Oh, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be doing this. I want to leave my knowledge. I want to leave my mark. What is going to be my legacy? What is my daughter going to look up to as far as her mother? So you just start embarking in stuff that you know that you're going to make a difference. Yeah. And I, I'm just blessed. Well, where, where did you learn that from? Where did you get that from? Was it, was it taught to you by your parents or did you learn it along the way from the jobs that you had? Like, where did you get that from specifically? I think with that, um, in education, I um, started tasting success. That's what I told my students. Have you told me when I started, you're going to be, you're going to receive your doctorate, you're going to own a business? Never, right? It would have never. But as I got into education, I knew, oh, hey, man, I'm, I do pretty good here. It's my field, right? It's my field. I'm, I'm tasting success. Went into leadership very early in my life. Was a principal by 29 and successful at it. You know, had students that weren't supposed to be scoring the way they're scoring in, in their state exams. And it was mostly what I was dealing with was it's a mindset, it was a mindset. I would tell my teachers, I would not even tell them the population they were receiving, and we'd outscore students from across town, from Tierra Santa, that were supposed to be scoring better than our students. I said, if we just don't tell the students that you're lacking this or we're going to help you more on this, I said, we just set high expectations, we're going to achieve it. And I think it's then that I started then implementing that in my life. Hmm. Of course, my parents were non-educated uh, my mom, I just lost her last May, God bless her heart, but I saw her work very hard in a packing shed. Um, I remember she'd come home with her hands purple, or I'd watch her, you know, when she'd be uh, at the packing shed with her number 20s, that's how many, how much she was gonna get paid, depending on how many of those cards she put okay. in her boxes. I think that's when I realized, whoa, I need to be educated. I don't want to work that hard, but I watched her work hard. Mm -hmm. So I knew that in anything in life, you had, I had to work at it. It wasn't going to be given to me. Yeah. So you give me a task, you give me a goal, I'm going to try to outdo you. So let's dive into that then. So when, when you're thinking about a goal specifically, what is your thought process of trying to achieve that? Okay. What I do is I work backwards, Josh. You know, I start saying, okay, let's, let's take, for example, um, when I did receive the vocational nursing program, there was a neighboring school that was defending their program because of their low scores, and here comes another Valley school, Rio Grande Valley's, you know. So sure enough, the board was hesitant. Uh, why are we gonna 
accredited school that was the Board of Nursing. And I remember sitting there and I said, if you give me the opportunity, I will bring you the highest ranking scores. Okay, that's what 10 years later, of course, we went for the ADN and they gave me the program in five minutes when wow. for the VN, it took me like an hour and a half of convincing this board, right? So working at that, I know that day, I, I'm very data driven. So in education, I would check to see, okay, I've got to give these students every tool they can get to be successful. First of all, in a classroom, the best instructor. You've got to have instruction, right? After that, we're going to benchmark you, and we're going to check you, and we're going to support you, which that's what RGV College represents. It's a smaller setting. Uh, for whatever reason, you're having problems, we're going to bring you in, and we're going to talk to you. And sometimes these students need that, and after that, they're like, whoa, I can do this. I can do this. Life happens to everybody, yeah. and we all handle it differently. So going back to data-driven, Okay, this is where you're at. This is the type of learner you are. This is how we're benchmarking you. This is how you're doing. And this is how you're going to do at the end. And like I told students, you're on your way to failure. And I'm not going to, you're going to join me and we're going to do this different. If not, I assure you, you're going to sit here after the program's done and you're not going to pass. So pretty much with that, I, I, I start with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. Okay, where do I want to end up? What are the steps that I need to do to get there in anything, whether it be physically because I'm working out, whether it's education-wise, goal setting, whether it's in the institution, whether it's program development, always start with the end in mind and then work backwards. Okay. And I start forming that plan, forming that plan and just being consistent because you're going to fail yeah. or something's going to come your way and you're like, whoa, I didn't know that was going to take this long, you know, and um, that's, that's how I've done it in life. And... No training, no nothing. That's just the way I've handled it. So when you're in these meetings with all these people that are making shots, like how, how are you speaking to them? Is, is there a level of confidence that you have? Like, I'm going to do this, even though that you don't know if you can achieve it? I, I think it's determination, Josh. Yeah, I've talked and I, I, I did state it. I will bring you the highest scores in the Valley. When we received the associate's degree in nursing, the RM program, and, um, I mean, we ranked number two. And that's because of the whole cohort, we only had one failure, and he passed the second time. Wow. So we had 100% passing. I, I, I tell the students, what you say, what you envision, it's going to happen. If you're negative with yourself, those negative thoughts. Uh, my daughter and I were having a conversation not too long ago. It's that, do I work out? Do I not? Oh, the bed feels really good. You know, <laughs> it, it's, it's two, two voices in your head. Yeah. So you've got to sit there and say, okay, which one am I going to listen to? Which one's going to get me where I need to be? And it's hard. I'm yeah. sure you can attest because you've had a, a journey with, with weight loss. Yeah. It's, it's two voices. It's your own mind too. My, your mind can be very powerful. When I talk about that stuff, like the power of thought and the power of your words, people are like, oh, that's stupid. Mm -mm. And, and even goal setting is like, that's dumb. Like that's all foo-foo stuff that you put into the world and whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Can you touch on that? Because I feel like it is one of the most important things Like your words hold so much power. They shape your life. Kind of touch on that. I think your words are the most powerful. Of course, you have negative words that come from other people that you have to be careful because that sometimes can overtake your own mindset, your own thoughts of yourself being successful, right? And I'm sure you, many people that are successful can attest to this, the whole negative, the whole rumors, the whole, and since very young, moving up in leadership as a Hispanic woman, 
I had some negative jabs thrown my way. And I had one mentor. I've been blessed with beautiful mentors in my career. And that's what I think got me where I'm at. I think with that, I had to really sit back and block that and be more onto my own thoughts. What is success? And I, I, I don't, I attest to what you put out is what you get back in. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to do that, or I can't do that, then you're not. You're not. Can you set something and you fail it along the way? Yeah, but you get yourself back up, wipe yourself off. Okay, how am I going to get there? What did I do wrong? What can I do different? So I'm a firm believer. What you say, I, you envision it, you work towards it, you can accomplish it. I feel like a lot of people are, are very, aren't introspective. Like a lot of it is coming from themselves and like their self doubting beliefs like mm-hmm. they, they just say and they don't even know it that they're saying it like I catch so many people saying self-limiting beliefs that they don't even understand what they're doing to their subconscious and their mind and stuff like that I want to jump on on mentors um, I had never really applied the thought of mentorship like I, I always assumed like everybody's ego you can do it on your own I have found that there are people way better than you doing better stuff that can help you achieve your dream. So kind of touch on leadership. Like what are the skills that a leader needs to have and where do you get mentorship from? I guess I, like I said earlier, I went into leadership very young, not knowing that that's the route that I was gonna, because we sometimes fall into different careers for whatever reason. And um, I think I was blessed with beautiful mentors that would um, bring out the best in me. Hey, I see this in you, you know, but what qualities did I kind of was able to see in most of them was humility, Hmm. humility. You know, I think as a leader, you need to, and I I hope my organization feels that of me because we have our core values and that's one of them. I, uh, you never forget where you came from. It's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of others also. You know, when, when we're making any type of decision making within the organization, I try to keep the employees in mind, you know, and, and not forgetting. So I think a leader should be humble, humble. You're never better than anybody else. You're not, you know, I'm the boss. You, you know, it's my, my way or the highway type of thing. So I try to build that trust within the organization, which is very hard to do. You know, you hear a lot of organizations where we're a team, we're a team, but it's yeah. superficial. You know, you have to be able to tr- be, be able to disagree and be able to walk out of the meeting and go work together like if nothing. And we have that within our administration. And now to funnel that in an organization where you started with five employees, now we're up to 100. Wow. And one night I'm like, whoa, 100 employees, who would have thought, <laughs> right? When I used to run to the, when the phone would ring, you know. So going back, leaders, leaders should, I think the most important thing is to, to humility. How do, you, how do you build a team? So it's you at the helm. Mm-hmm. What's next? What are, who are the people that make these things move? Um, I had one mentor that told me, and I kept that in mind. And I don't mind that you're on my team and you know more than I do in that particular area. So what I tend to do, and I can tell you right now, some of my admins are looking at and they're like, I never thought I'd be doing this. But I've tapped into their talent. Mm-hmm. You know, I had them in a certain spot. Oh, man. You know, Michael can do a lot better in this position. And I challenge them, and they take it. So I'm a firm believer that you surround yourself with people that might know more than you, and it's okay. 
and hardworking people. Like I have about nine admin right now and uh, probably non-degreed. They're all non-degreed, wow. non-degreed. And you have a director of operations that's non-degreed that started as my front office clerk. She's young, she's in her okay. 30s, but I saw talent. And I said, oh, front office, she went to register. Now she's doing the whole operations, just finishing an audit with the Department of Ed right now, zero deficiencies. But work ethic was there, the ganas to learn. Yeah. And to be able to be challenged, okay, now I'm going to challenge you to learn this. So QuickBooks, oh, I'll learn QuickBooks. She learned it. So I think as a leader, you've got to surround yourself with people that are going to make you look good. I say, mm -hmm. man, we're all going to look good, but yeah. you're going to make me look good because you're going to know more than I do, and it's okay. Yeah. And you'll see in leadership, there's some people that have problems with that. You know, they have to be the, the head of the realm that knows everything. I don't have all the answers, you know. I, I just know that as an organization, we're going to keep ourselves at the forefront. You know, our students are our, our best customers. They're, they come first, but my employees come up close second. You know, yeah. I need for them to feel happy, comfortable in their jobs. They want to come to work. I mean, you produce great results, and I think we're an organization that keeps that in mind. So when you look, look at hiring people, what are the characteristics that you look for? Well, actually, all the employees have to fill out uh, a questionnaire, and um, they, they go over our core values. They go over our mission statement. This is our vision. This is our mission statement. Can you live with these three core values? You know what I mean? We were, we were humble. You know, we, we have faith in there. We have excellence. Can you, you know, can you be committed to those three? Can you, and once we go over those three, they need to see whether they're going to be aligned with us. We always say you have a 90-day trial. It's not only if you're good for us, but whether we're a good fit for you. Mm -hmm. Because we're going to expect you to live by our mission statement. You know what I mean? So are you going to be humble? You know, and you, are you going to have courage and are you going to have faith? Faith in believing things you can't see, courage to do things that we are going to tell you to. We have our students, I mean our students, our staff, they listen to podcasts so they can learn. We've had them do book studies so they can continue to grow. Some have never picked up a book in years, mm -hmm. but we have book studies to grow within the organization. So not only are we going to grow the students, we're also going to grow our staff. So I think that makes a difference. Yeah, and it absolutely does because I feel like the the whole culture of any any business, and this is one of the things that is like, I hear nobody wants to work nowadays, yeah. and then I hear from people is like, no, nobody wants to work for you. So it's the business that is is really getting the culture that is keeping the employees along for the long term. So I see that the vision and the culture is really, and the core values is really what brings people along. Mm -hmm. If you don't align with these things, well, it's exactly. not the right fit for you. So let's jump into 10 to 12 million businesses will close this year. And it's happened every single year. Mm -hmm. uh, from your industry, what can you see and what information and insights can you give to business owners to help them weather the storm? Like how can somebody weather the storm if they're feeling overwhelmed, if they're feeling in the trenches, like this is not working, this is not working, what advice can you give them? I, I started in 2008, which you can imagine the worst also economic time. I think back then I said, well, I didn't know any better. You know what I mean? I yeah. didn't have any funding. I didn't know any better, so I just kept going. Right now, I function the same way. You know, I keep doing things the way we do them. I keep my faith 
is, is the one that really sustains me because if anything, if you don't believe that something can happen, it's not. We, talk, we talked about it. So how do you weather the storm? Believe in yourself. Continue to look at little avenues where you can cut. You know what? This is maybe something that I can, for now, till I weather this storm. I'm not your entrepreneur. I was going to start, you know, I, I think one time someone said, oh, my CPA sat with me one time. He goes, you've grown this business 300%. And I said, <laughs> I have? He goes, in very short period of time. And I was just dealing with it like my checkbook. I'm going to yeah. be very honest. You know, I had to have certain funding for a payroll. I needed to make sure I paid the rent, make sure I did. Do you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. if anything, I just, and save for a rainy day. So I've been doing it for years. For years, I've been putting stuff aside just in case we ever need it. Um, I'm in an industry right now where there is a big need with people for the healthcare field, right? They need to be educated. We, we need them out in the field. So if anything, just... Don't give up. Be consistent. Look at everything around you. Where is it that maybe you could make some cuts and uh, see whether you're in the right industry too because it might be something that's not for you. But I, I, wouldn't, I would not just throw my hands up and say it's the worst and I quit. Yeah. And a lot of people do that. Yeah, I think they give up right before they're about to yes. hit that thing. It's like, oh, you're so close. Yes. So let's go back into the in the industry. Uh, what do you see specifically from your vantage point? Because I'm sure you have a lot of data and stuff like that with your industry. What do you see specifically here for the Rio Grande Valley when it comes to business? And what's this? In, our, in my field? In your field. Okay, so I see, if anything, growing our associates program and growing it in the field that is needed, right? So let's say our next program is the sonography program. There is a need here in the Valley. Of course, I have people that I, I speak to physicians and say, you know what, why don't you develop this program next? So I look into more job related. Okay. Will somebody get a job after? There's too many students out there from many, many different institutions. They get a so-called certificate and they're applying for my receptionist. And I sit them down and I'm like, cause that's my educator. I said, what did you intend to do with this certificate? And it's some title that, and, and, and I know I get along with some of the other presidents in other colleges. So I try to align it to make sure they're going to get a job. Okay. I hate for them to go into financial debt because it is, you know, financial aid or you're, and then you end up with no job yeah. and you're having to pay this loan. I'm sure you've heard of those degrees and they're out there, you know, yeah. it's, it's so difficult. So what I do look into in, in with our industry is, will they get a job? Is it something that's needed? Right now, you know, a lot of people have been approached me, are you going to expand somewhere else? Are you going? And I'm like, I, I would love to, but you've got to have systems in place. You can't duplicate just like that. You know, too many people try to do that. And what happens? It was too big. You lost it. You've lost that connection with the students. So... I, I would hate to develop something or to put a service out or a program out, and then they can't find jobs. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, you touched on systems. Uh, kind of touch on that because that's something I think a lot of people don't understand is like when you're running a business, you have to have these systems and procedures in place to be able to scale it. So kind of talk about that. Give us a, your insight on that. I think it, during my doctorate, I took a class. It was very interesting. And it was on systems, like how... Something works as a as a as a car, a, a prison system. You know, everything has an organism. How, so I feel, and I tell every department. You know, we write everything down as far as how do we get 
from the beginning to the end, even when a student walks in. But even when someone else comes into a job, they need to be able to just pick up and go with the flow. And that's difficult, very difficult to put together. I'm telling you that we're still revamping yeah. after 15 years. So I, I think if you don't have that in place in an organization, you fail. You fail your customer. You fail them because it needs to be something that follows a certain, a certain procedure, a certain system to, to get the best results. Okay. So, and you have pockets of systems within your organization, right? I have from my admissions to financial aid, to instruction, to admin up here. So all these systems need to be in place in order for the end product to come out successful or what you want it to be, a right. successful student, right? We have a student enter, walk in, we have it down from the beginning to the end. We call it from door to chair. When they enter the door to when they sit in the chair. So it's called our door to chair system, right? So every department is key. Right now I hired two maintenance departments, um, two individuals, and I sat with them and I said, you do know your key here. Why? And then one of them said, yeah, they enter a dirty building. They don't, you know, take pride in what you do. So we had a discussion on that. So it's from when a student enters to when they sit in the student desk, what is it that happened? And it needs to be very put together. Yeah. Takes years. Yeah, and it's always revamping too. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a, the business is a never ending thing. And, yeah. and I want to go into, uh, there was one time that I heard you talk and you were, got very emotional because you were talking about your daughter and how you had to work so much. And I think she was there next to your computer or something like that. I want to touch on that because I think I feel there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there and a lot of it. A lot of people say that people are selfish. And I don't feel that way. I don't feel like they, there's anything selfish about that because you're trying to grow something that's going to directly impact your family. Exactly. So kind of touch on that because I feel like it, it, work life balance does not exist. I don't feel it. Like, what are your thoughts on that? And I probably do get emotional because I, ha I have one daughter. And um, I became a single parent with a very involved dad, beautiful dad, when she was almost like, about three. So I went into the business when she was about six. So um, in going into it, it takes a lot of time to build something, right? I was not only working on my doctorate, I was working on the vocational nursing program curriculum. That's my background, developing curriculum. I had to be turning in stuff for my dissertation with, and then she'd run up the stairs with me, go drop it off, and be working on the pharmacy tech program to turn into the state to get approved. The balance, it's very hard. Um, I, I know that when I was an executive director for the school system, uh, I had picked up my daughter from my dad because I had been out nights during May because of graduations, and he did tell me, your daughter needs you, you know? So that's when I ventured and went into my own business, but I balanced, and Annika has been uh, I think she's seen it now as an adult. You know, I would pick her up from school. She had ballet because she was a full ballet dancer. She'd have to dress in my office. And I'd run, go drop her off, and pick, come back to work. She'd be done at 7, go pick her up, and come back to work. She'd do her homework in my office. So a lot of times, and I know people say, you know, don't feel sorry for me. I'm just telling you what I had to, put, what I had to do. She'd sleep on the floor on the carpet waiting for mom. I'd pick her up and take her home. And, or there'd be days, like it'd be years. She goes, Mom, can I be like a normal child? Can you take me home after school? Not to school, the yeah. school, she would say. And there she'd do her homework and she'd 
be in the restroom, doing her bun to go to ballet, so we'd balance, right? So one time, I, I, I know that parents don't realize, especially I talk to my students. I remember when I work on my dissertation and I have my laptop on my, on my lap and I'd be typing and, and Anika would be next to me asleep. So by, by then I received my doctorate, was starting the business and Anika, I picked her up from work. She goes, mom, tomorrow's the last day for AR and Teddy's ahead of me. Teddy was always ahead of Anika. I said, okay, what are we going to do? She goes, I have to read this book by tonight. Hey, no, Anika, it's okay to come in. You know, you don't have to be first or whatever. You know, that night we're in bed, and I wake up, and she's under the sheet, so she won't wake me up how the tables turn, <laughs> and she's reading her book. I pick her up from school. She jumps in the car, and she goes, she's wearing the AR shirt. She outranked wow. Teddy. So going back, it's, it's, it's how you can handle it. I saw a little bit, then she grew into the business, right? She saw what mom was doing, and then she went off to, to college. So we're in the new building. And I would notice that um, Annika would only go into my office, and I have a back door, I got smart, <laughs> and she would leave. And one day she comes in, and she would tell uh, Adriana, when she was, you know, that's my, my right hand, Adriana said, well, one, one day this is going to be yours. She goes, oh, no, I'm not coming back to the valley. I don't want nothing to do with the school. And you start, and she goes, doctor. And I said, what? I don't know how to tell you this. And I said, what? I don't think Annika wants this. Oh, I know that. You know, I know that. I don't want her to. I want her to become her own person, whatever she wants to do, whatever. So it's funny because the other day she was maybe a couple of months back. She was there, and I said, hey, Annika. Let's walk the hallways. And she said, okay. You know, which barely she'd come in and go out, right? Mm -hmm. And we're walking, and one of my instructors was there, Miss Edwards, and we stood there, and there were students in the hallway. And she said, uh, hey, this is, this is what your mom was doing when sometimes she had to give up time with you and, you know, be at work late. I, I could have staged it any better. I didn't wow. even. <laughs> and then she goes, I know that now. You know, so... Tables turn. At, at the end, she realized what mom was sacrificing for, even for her own education. And now she's interested in the business. Yeah. We, she works with me. We go over numbers. Potentially having her maybe stem off somewhere where she's at in San Antonio, Austin area. Um, there's a need for nurses over there. So uh, we have a real close relationship. But was it tough? Yes. Very tough because you look back and you're thinking, okay, did I give up time with my daughter? The older you get, you start. But that was your journey. That was your journey to get where you needed to be, and it was a balancing act. And everyone does it differently. I had great family support. Um, she was never alone. Um, I had it was my own business. So if I wanted my daughter to sleep on the floor, I could, yeah. right? So I could bring her. That's the only good thing about being your own boss. Um, she could sleep there. She could bring her homework. We could get dressed for ballet there. So it helped. It yeah. helped because I was able to see her. I was able to drop and say, they would, they would laugh because, oh, my God, Annika, and I'd run out because <laughs> I wanted to pick her up every day from school. Yeah. And she was down the street. I'm going to pick her up if I could. Or other days, my employees would step in. Don't worry, I'm taking her lunch. You know, <laughs> So it's a balancing act. Yeah. It really is. And you just need to not be so hard on yourself. So is there a work-life balance? I, I think you're talking to the wrong person. <laughs> you know, I, I think there is, you know, and, and now as I'm getting older, I'm trying to do that because um, now I'm thinking, whoa, Annika's got her own career. I can stay till seven, eight or nine, but I don't think that's healthy either. You know, I, I've been following podcasts and I remember um, a certain 
entrepreneur that said, you know, I made myself not work out early, wake up earlier, have my clothes ready the night before. So trying to practice, you never stop learning, like yeah. you said. And he's there from eight to four straight, but it can leave at four and that's it. I disconnect. It's the disconnection with me that's kind of hard. You know, I'm always, um, not only do I have RGV College, I have Meraki, which is a cosmetology school. And then we started a little medical spa, Meraki Med Spa. Wow. My whole intent is to kind of tie everything together, eventually maybe aesthetic nursing. Okay. So that's why I have a nurse helping me kind of get to know that field, because I'm not going to go into a field and not know it. Right. And knowing it is four or five years in it. You know what I mean? So that way, a lot of our nurses, if they need to go get trained, they're not having to go to Austin, Dallas, that, that we can provide it here in the Rio Grande Valley. That's just a long-term vision that, because yeah. you you never stop. You're always like, okay, what can I do next? Or so going back to the balancing, I, I'm trying. I, I do work out. I, I do eat healthy to keep myself. Um, do I love being at work? Yes, I do. It's my passion. I love talking to students. I'm working in my industry. I I mean, God, I think everyone's given a gift. It's your responsibility to explore it, and work with it because yeah you'll never work a day in your life like they say so. <laughs> i i talk about uh, a lifeline i've been wanting to get a tattoo that has is a timeline of 40 years old so i'm 41 40 to 93 which is my grandfather's age still alive still works out wow. still does a bunch of stuff if i am lucky enough to live that long that means that i have a very short amount of time to do the things that i'm going to do in this life so i viewed life a little bit different i'm in a hurry to get things done because I feel like I've wasted so much time. You. At your age, how do you view time? You know, I had never thought about time until recently when people bring up your age. You know what I mean? Or I start seeing friends that are retiring. Because it um, forced, time forces you to think about those yeah. things. Yeah. So I'm super interested in, in your thoughts about how you view time. I think with, with that, um, I had a friend that told me, okay, let's work backwards. Where do you want to be at this age? Or when you retire, when you do retire, I don't even know if I'll ever retire, right? But when you do retire, what is it going to look like? And work backwards and form that plan. I've always worked as time is on my side, right? But time is running out. You, you do have an end time. So I just try every day to look at how are we getting better in anything that we do, whether it be my personal life or whether it be in the organization, uh, I do see myself like retiring eventually, but I always say I'm going to be the, the lady in the back at the Blue Owl Cafe selling <laughs> coffee because I can't seem to, to let go. But I, I, I just work every day towards not having that end in mind. I don't know if I'm explaining myself correctly in the sense of I always look at how can I get better. Okay. I, I hate thinking, I know you said I've wasted a lot of time, right? But that time was not so much wasted because you learned from it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. That's why you're doing, I have 41 to 93. What am I going to do that you're not going to do what you did back then, yeah. right? And a lot of times we get stuck in that. You get stuck in that and before you know it, you're 55, you're 60 and you've done nothing different. So if anything, I've learned from what I've gone through and I can, I could write a book from what not to do in business because I didn't have that Did business background. Oh yeah. <laughs> what not to do, what make sure you're signing, make sure you what you're looking at at this. Uh, if you know it's it's your vision, it's it's for your legacy. 
just work every day like if you don't have tomorrow. So every day I go in there and I'm looking, okay, what are we doing that's getting better in this program? What other program are we looking at? So, um, yeah, I, I think if anything, I've been thinking about time a lot lately because some of my friends are retiring and I'm thinking, should I be retiring? Like, is that, I said, no, everyone has their own journey. Every, I have, my daughter went to Deborah Case right across the street. You should probably get her on here one time because she's got, she's almost 70. Wow. She swims every day. Um, we went to the Les Brown training together, mm -hmm. and it just so happens we're at the airport to go to the John Maxwell together. So we kind of haven't gone together in a while, and she just went to a Dave Ramsey train. Do you see people, people, you keep learning. Keep learning. You keep learning. You keep learning. So I think if anything, yes, time is running out, and it's going to, but what are you doing with your time? The time. While you have it. Yeah. While you have it. Yeah, and, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, so three tips for success if somebody were to come up to you and ask you what are the three top things that i can learn or skills that i can learn to become successful what are those i think if anything forming a vision like what is it that i want to accomplish and then forming a plan to get there and a timeline because a lot of times we do those things to do lists and we're just scratching off, but it does, it's not related to anything having to do with your end game. Look, this is where I want to get. So if anything, many years ago, remember that book, what was it called? Oh, Jesus. The, the Oprah Winfrey, the, uh, the secret uh -huh. you put out where, and I remember I had like a TV and I drew a school. I drew it like on a big sheet of paper. I drew a school and I drew things that I was going to do to get there and, not even owning a school, right? Whether it be I was going to go into a charter school, I just knew that I was going to own my own educational facility. So I think if anything, that would be one, forming your plan, forming your vision, forming your plan. The other one would be, man, you've got to put in the work. And when you're putting in the work, it's going to be sacrifice. It's going to be giving up stuff. And I'm sure you can attest to this. It's going to be giving up maybe a luxury car, giving up a certain uh, salary. It's going to be giving up time, no going out, no social life. So it's going to be putting in the hard work, making sure every day that you're working towards that. Uh, and the other one, like I, like I said, if, uh, to be successful, I think it's just making sure that you surround yourself with key people. Uh, I'm a firm believer that if you start to grow in any industry or even in yourself, you, you just make sure you have that team that's going to support you and has that vision. So um, I know that starting a business is scary. Um, I'm just losing an employee who's very hardworking, very, but going towards that, right? And he's a little scared. And, and I said, you know, anything, just make sure you make sure you're looking at everything you're signing first, mm -hmm. but put in the work yeah. and you're going to be successful because you have that in you. You have the DNA. Yeah. You have those ganas that, yeah. to get you there. So I think if anything, that, that should be part of anyone going out to become an entrepreneur, to do something on their own. I get you. Uh, so last question, how do you define success? Because I ask a lot of people and they tell me a lot of different things. Oh. How do you define it? I have never thought of that. You know, to me, I think I, I've heard it somewhere. What is my daughter going to say about her mom when I'm gone? Because my success 
is the legacy I leave behind. And it's, I have one, one child, right? So what is my daughter gonna say about her mom when I'm gone? Success to me at this point is I am in a field where I, I'm making a difference. We all are in people's lives, in their careers, in their, so I already feel successful. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I only have one child and that's gonna be my legacy. So I often look back and I look into her eyes and I say, what does she see in mom? And we're that close that we're now talking about things that happened during the process. And I apologize for, hey, I didn't realize during this time I was, don't worry, mom, it's okay. You know, she, and you didn't know any better then, right? But now I know this. And now I watch her and she's doing her own day trading course with somebody from New York. And she's beyond, she's three times beyond me, wow. beyond I'm looking into, hey, I need to form my business plan. Ken, do I need a tax attorney? Let me go. Things that mom didn't do. So she's a step ahead. So to me, success is what will my daughter say about her mom when she's gone? Well, with that being said, I'd like to thank you for your time. It's always a pleasure seeing you. Oh, thank you. Thank and you we'll for having me. we'll see you guys me. next time on the sesh. Bye.